if leaders show a little bit of warmth before they show competence, this impacts on employee attitude, this impacts on increasing employee performance and hopefully on profitability. Hello, everybody. This is Aalto Leaders Inside podcast. My name is Reetta Räty, and my guest here is Ben Notnagel from Aalto EE. Hello, Ben. Hey, Reetta. Nice to be here. Lovely to have you here. Uh, ben, I got to know you as a crazy lawyer from South Africa. Can you introduce yourself a bit further? Since nowadays I think you're not a practicing lawyer anymore, but something a bit different. Is <laughs> yeah, it so? I'm not a lawyer anymore. The crazy may still be that. But what I do is for the last 12 years or so, I develop, lecture and coach in leadership programs that focus really on how individuals can develop skills and competence that they choose to and how organizations can benefit from these skills that the individuals have uh, developed. And typically these programs are three categories. First, they are executive MBA programs or MBA programs that I do for Alto EE and two or three other universities in Asia, uh, Singapore, Poland, Korea, Taiwan, Finland, of course, also, and France. But then also we do the same situations, smart type programs in company-specific situations where companies identify specific goals and specific results. And then something I like very much I also have the opportunity to coach different leaders, from business leaders to politicians to athletes. And and also a nice area is high potential young leaders. And this is what I do typically. If you think about your own experience and also the research, what do effective leaders have in common? So for me, if I can tell you a short story how this started, as As a lawyer, I, I specialized in transfer of technology and mergers and acquisitions. And in these areas of law, like maybe any other area, you see the same clients for a longer period of time. So you have time to observe them over maybe a year. And what I saw from these clients, that during the same process, at times they were really impressive. I thought they were smart. And I, I don't mean it in an elitist way, but they had good decision-making skills. They were very good at conflict management. They were very good at creativity. And at times I saw these same men and women acting quite averagely. And at times maybe, well, maybe not good at all. Uh, but what was interesting for me is that although I could notice this in them, they had difficulty noticing these different levels of performance in themselves, especially especially with uh, when they want to create common understanding or when they when they are busy leading decisions or or then when they're just managing people. I saw that their skill levels fluctuate a lot. And that interested me because I would like to have the skill or the self-awareness to know when I'm good and not, because if I'm not good, I would like to have the choice to do something about it. And that is what that, what was interesting for me then with the MBA students. I saw the same thing. I work with the self-development process for two years, 
And I saw fluctuating skills in almost all of the participants. So I suppose we all have that. But those men and women, if you ask me what is a key indicator of leadership, those men and women that have self-awareness, meaning they know when they're good, they know when they're self-aware, and they know when they're not good. I think that is the key indicator. And what is interesting, you ask, what is interesting about it, when we look at neuroscience, neuroscience describes self-awareness maybe as cognitive connectivity. We hear it from different fields. We hear from the mindfulness area. We hear from other fields where focus. But roundly, I think, self-awareness is, for me, the key underlying indicator of leadership performance. I know, not deep self-knowledge, but I know that my performance in this situation is fluctuating. What do you mean by self-awareness? For me, self-awareness is, say, for instance, you, you sit in a negotiation, as I've seen recently with a very extroverted, charismatic leader who had to negotiate with maybe more introverted engineers about specifics. And this charismatic leader got so excited by his big picture and vision that he did not notice the other men and women in the room had lost interest and were more interested in detail. And I would have liked that his self-awareness would have made him see that he's losing the audience and that it would be more effective to maybe postpone his vision and go to a topic that the other part, the negotiators, wanted to hear, which they thought was relevant, and he missed that. So I thought that he was un—he was not self-aware in that situation. Uh, how do you teach people to be more self-aware? So in about 2008, I went to Malaysia to study emotional intelligence. And one of the core ind indicators of emotional intelligence at that stage was self-awareness. And I followed that up very shortly Shortly after that, I went to MIT in Boston to study what engineers called be present. So self-awareness is really to be present in a specific moment without the Eastern concept or the Western concept. There is no concept that is present. There is you that is present. And how we have taught it is by developing in 2008 a tool called Situation Smart where you practice, you identify specific moments that are really important for you. And these moments should be smaller moments that repeat itself often, either with the people you love, or when you are just performing a specific task, or when you are leading. And in these moments that you've selected, you then practice for three to four weeks when those moments arrive, you try to be in that moment. And what we see from the research on neuroscience and habit and neuroplasticity is if you can focus and or if you select these very small moments and for three to five to six weeks you practice to be in that moment, your self-awareness increases through neuroplasticity or the connections that the brain makes is more present. How can I be present in that moment that is important for me? Why? 
Because in that moment, if I'm present, if that moment requires smartness, then I can be as smart as I can be. Or if that moment requires tenderness, or that moment requires creating trust, then at least I am able to respond to that demand of the moment. Whether I'm going to do it is different, but I should know. I think self-awareness is that one has a fair understanding of what a moment, what behavior a certain moment expects of you. So you're aware of it. Where does it lead us to? If I'm able to be present, what what do I accomplish? Yes. And so this is interesting. So maybe I can I can speak to you first what you what you won't accomplish. So what we see is this. Say for instance, I'm irritated with my boss. It happens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens we see irritation or say for instance, I have been stressed for a while. These emotions through hormonal changes in the body. For instance, let's look at the stress hormone cortisol. If one has had a feeling of being stressed or being overwhelmed for a period of time, one of the effects of chronic stress or being overwhelmed is to limit cognitive connectivity, meaning that your ability to think is lower. Thinking means this. I'm good at decision making. I'm good at problem solving. I'm good at creating solutions. So thinking is not just a blanket thought. It's a, it's a, it's linked to a specific skill. So what can I benefit if in that moment I understand that I'm stressed and I can reduce that stress or I can understand that I'm stressed and I should be stressed? then I can add cognitive connectivity or thinking to this moment and I can be in this moment enough, my, my current ability is enough, or I can respond the best I can. And this is what I'm seeing with self-awareness, the ability to bring, this sounds like, like a sport analogy, but to bring your best game if you choose when it matters. Right, so it's not only that we are having a bad day and good day, but we are having a days when we are self-aware and maybe days when we are not. Absolutely. If you think about the students you first Absolutely. were with. And I think this is, if we look at neuroscience, self-awareness is heavily affected by emotion or mood and the research is pretty clear. When we look at the research of Sherman and Amy Cuddy, those leaders that are consistently more successful than others have lower levels of cortisol and slightly higher levels of testosterone. How do you measure that, by the way? So there's a variety of ways to measure, but cortisol can be measured with saliva. So... It is it is highly measurable, and I, I I really think that, well, I know it already exists, but I think that, well, I think I don't know, but I think that in the year 2027, self cortisol measuring will be part of most young executives' leadership kit, <laughs> because that's where you can immediately see sure. what your cortisol levels is. It's not 100% correct because cortisol has to be measured over periods of time, and we get lots of different cortisol. But Cuddy's research shows us this, 
These leaders with low cortisol outperform others. Why? Because those with low cortisol levels have higher self-awareness and has higher cognitive connectivity. So I can think, I can problem solve, I can do... So, so low cortisol is maybe the prerequisite for all the skills we see in leadership books like resilience, like creativity, like problem solving. With high cortisol, all of these skills are hard to achieve. You you told me that sometimes you see people kind of losing it, the ability to be self-aware. How does that happen? I think the, the most important thing is our approach to emotion. So when I see people lose it, I mean it in this sense, that people respond to others or to a situation in a much less effective way than they can. So, for instance, say this. Say, for instance, your your husband or wife irritates you, makes you a little bit angry, and you have a slight argument. And then the next day, when you reflect on your response during that argument, you're slightly disappointed with the quality of arguments you brought. Oh, sure. Because you thought you spent a lot of money on that brain, and that's all it can come up with. And that's a classic example of losing it. The cortisol or the emotion reduces cognitive connectivity and the quality of your argument goes down, whether that's at home, at the office, all over life. So what I'm really promoting is to have to be enough, meaning this, to make emotion my friend, to know that I will only really have emotions if that moment is important. Otherwise, there would be no emotion to recognize that emotion and just to 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 evaluate whether that emotion is is valid or is it a habit and by doing that i have the benefit of cognitive connectivity meaning i can now be smart angry i can feel anger not push it down not manipulate myself but now i can articulate my anger in a way that reflects who i am It it doesn't promise success. It just puts connects you to the moment that you are in at the best you can. Okay, here we have a goal to be smart, angry. Yes. Right. Yes. Smart, angry meaning this. Don't win every argument because that may be not smart. But smart means this. I'm not going to ignore the fact that I'm angry and by asking should I be angry... I evaluate that moment, and if the answer is yes, then I have cognitive connectivity, meaning I can think, but I'm not manipulating the emotion. And by combining emotion and thinking, you can respond in a way that resolves the anger, clears up the matter, but that is each person individually. It's not a benchmark. It's just you bring yourself to that moment because your emotion has brought you there already. Okay, Ben, you said, uh, should I? And yes. I know that that's an, kind of the most important question yes. ever. Uh, can you explain the, the power of should I? For me, the should I is the underlying concept of situation smart. And I have to give credit to my colleagues Joss in Malaysia and Otto Scharmer in, in MIT in Boston, who initially stimulated this idea. 
Should I simply means this. I recognize an emotion that I have in any, any moment. When I have that emotion, I simply ask myself, should I be angry? Should I be irritated? Should I be stressed? What we see, the should I question, is simply, a, in a way, a cognitive trigger that for a few seconds brings thinking to that emotion. And if the answer is no, we see that that emotion is probably a habit or not important enough for you to continue with, and the, the hormone or the chemical subsides, and you have your brain back and the moment is over. But I think, and, and this is interesting, the reason why this is important and why the success has surprised, the success of the Shulai surprised me so much. With 450 MBA students over, over seven countries, to see that it's not culturally specific, when I've asked them to ask the question, should I be stressed? In 64% of the time, the answer was no. So it tells us that there's something going on in our society that leads to habitual stress. So this helps, of course, because by asking should I often, and if the answer is often no, what one will see is that this habit is broken. I'm not just going to be habitually stressed. But what is important and what surprised me with the success of just asking yourself, recognizing the emotion, and then asking, should I be? In many cases, the answer is yes. And this is maybe for me the more, the more powerful. When the answer is yes, I should be angry with you. Yes, I should be irritated. Yes, I should be insecure. It's life. There are moments where you, the emotion is valid. But you honor that emotion with bringing your brain to it. And then that emotion plus brain leads to solutions that the business world typically sees as effective, as highly skilled, or the people you love will see as valuable and warm. Without the question, should I, one's behavior is unthinking and certainly not representative of you in your best state. Now, I'm not saying that one will do this all the time, but for me, important is can I, in the beginning, recognize two emotions, one at home and one at the office, that I regularly get. And then when I get them in the next three to four to five weeks, every time when I get the emotion, just ask, should I be? And then reflect by yourself. My, my, my experience with the maybe over a thousand students, I mean, you've interviewed some of them, the vast majority of them have a feeling that is backed up by feedback from others that the should I tool, first of all, has brought them personal benefits. And secondly, they've seen that it's used in a company. It, it brings benefits of higher common understanding, saving time, less conflict. Okay, if I talk to my colleague and ask, uh, should you be stressed? I know that she feels like she is. And she says, yes. I said, okay, take a rest. You need to take a day off, two days off, weekend off. What would you tell her? I think the best answer comes from ourselves. We give people advice because we respond to certain uh, advice and we respond to certain behavior. 
The, the power of should I is this. If she asks herself, should I be stressed? And the answer is yes. Uh, in theory, what she has, the emotion remains, but she has cognitive connectivity. Maybe she can think. And maybe her answer is as simple as this. I have too much to do. I don't need rest. I just have too much to do. So for another two days, I'm just going to do it and get it out of the way. And that's maybe how she would resolve her stress. Somebody else would say, I'm stressed because I'm exhausted. So I'm going to take two days off. I think the power of should I is that you advise yourself. And of course, all of us are, are, are grateful for feedback from others. But I think the advice to self one way, when one has the emotion is vital because you know in that moment you know your emotional state you've you've responded that 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 this emotion is real if you add the brain or thinking by asking should i the advice to you is immediate it's specific and i have seen very many for instance i have a client who who is really stressed often and when we went through the should i and we, we, we asked, should I be stressed? Should I be stressed? Should I be stressed? And eventually she told me, you know, the reason I'm stressed is that I'm very, very bad at managing my diary. So I constantly fill slots in my diary. And that's why I'm stressed. There's no other way. There's no other reason. I'm, I love being in demand. But by asking, should I be stressed? The answer was yes, because look at what your diary is. And all she did is she said she, she will, she's not going to schedule for the next week anything that she has not had time to think about. Right. And within two weeks, her schedule was, uh, I still think it's a bit out of control, but <laughs> it doesn't matter what I think. She doesn't feel stressed. Right. But this she's is better in control. than having your mother and your friend saying, oh, you should take a rest. You should take a rest. And you saying, you know, I don't have time. Look yeah. at my diary. Because we, exactly. Because How do you rest? Exactly. With this. And often we're irritated. You know, it's, it's like when somebody that, that is close to you, you know, when you say to somebody, just calm down already, you often get the opposite. Exactly. Response. People say, <laughs> I, I don't want to be calm. I want. So the, the, the joy of Situation Smart is that you select specific moments that is important for you. And in those moments, you try to be smart, which simply means I'm cognitively connected. And what I've seen from the feedback from students, that this word of I'm enough is really, I know that it sounds initially very vague, but being enough means that I respond to situations with my current ability. I, my current skills, my, I don't have to always be better. And by asking should I, it triggers enoughness. And what surprised me is that how people have almost felt joy, almost felt calmness, and some even surprised themselves by how comforting and comfortable it is to operate in an area of enoughness. Because it, it, it gives you the ability that you can really face most of the environments that you're facing. And if you can't, then you'll get the skills to do that. But if you don't ask, should I, you will have low thinking and you will consistently underperform in these moments. Right. Ben Notnagel, can you say it again? You are enough. Can you repeat it to our listeners? Yes. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm an African lawyer. And when I first 
Bitcoin or when I first thought about enoughness, I thought, what are my colleagues going to say? You know, it sounds really awful. But when I look at enoughness, especially when I've seen, I've worked with 1,500, 2,000 students and I have experienced the surprise that people feel when they have operated in a, in a zone of enoughness. But enoughness means this. Enoughness doesn't mean I'm complete. It means that especially the people we work with, the enoughness means I have mostly the emotional capacity, the practical skills to deal effectively with the environment that I'm placed in. That's enoughness. And if the I tells me that I should be stressed because I'm in this small area not enough, then I can go and collect extra negotiation skills or I can go and look at how to read financial statements. I'm not saying that one has all the skills, but should I tells you what is enough? And if you then understand that I don't know enough about financial, reading financial statements, so I'm not enough in that field, but I can go and study it. I can go and get it. And for me, that has been uh, the link between these two concepts, situation smart and what should be my next move. Um, in your lectures, you tend to say something like this. The demands can be quite intense, but as long as people believe they can handle the situation, only a little stress will be experienced. Yes. Can you explain this to us a bit more? How is this possible? Is it only a feeling, the stress? This this is a very, a very, very interesting concept. Because when we look again at the research by Sherman and Cuddy on cortisol, they look at men and women that have similar educations, are in similar corporations, yet some of them have much higher cortisol levels than other others and then are not as successful. So in in in, in a very clear way, Stress is, of course, stress can be very real when you're confronted by a bear or a lion or a very angry competitor. But I also see that stress in the business world and in our personal lives is often an attitude that am I enough to deal with what I have to do? And these men and women that are confident that they are enough, they often experience lower levels of stress, therefore lower levels of cortisol, and therefore they have higher thinking, and therefore they typically outperform those who who have lower uh, ability, or in that situation, lower ability to think. So yes, yes, uh, I see it with myself, um, that at times I feel insecure, especially in, in my job, I often have to go in front of Big groups of bigger groups of people and explain my thoughts and afterwards people will give me feedback. So I because I'm shy as a person, I almost always expose myself to criticism or feedback. And sometimes, especially when the the, the, the class is full of very experienced leaders or like what that has happened, doctors, medical doctors, I feel insecure about the topic because of course I've not explored it in a medical level. And then I have to really 
ask, should I? Should I be stressed? Should I be stressed? And the answer is yes, be stressed, be careful, respect your audience. But I, I am enough. Because enoughness for me doesn't mean I'm complete. And uh, as has happened over this weekend with medical doctors in the MBA program, very many of them have constructively added to this how my attitude decides my emotion. So some men and women are feel optimistic when they feel that they can manage the situation. Uh, ben, uh, these two kind of themes, the situation smart and your next move. Yes. Can you go into a little bit into details about the situation smart and then explain us what is the connection between you have been talking about the situation smart and then this your next move? Yes. I suppose in short, situation smart is a tool that I think is supported by the theory of cognitive connectivity that helps you to access your current ability in existing moments. So situation smart is very mobile. You don't have to go and do extra exercises. As you live your life, you you ask, do I need to feel stressed? Should I be? Should I be? Should I be? So as you live your life, uh, situation smart connects you to your brain and doesn't ignore your emotions. So it helps you to be enough in specific moments. Next move typically says, what can I develop more? What should I develop more? And typically what we see is how the two are linked. So for instance, say the should I question, should I be stressed? Say the answer is constantly yes. Yes, I should be. Yes, I should be. Yes, I should be. Yes, I should be. Because of time management. Then maybe some of these men and women will, for their next move, go go and look into time management see if there's any practical tips they can get from self-management and then practice that for a neck for two, three weeks to get that skill. For instance, in companies, how this works. The situation smart is typically making the individual enough, effective, and this effectiveness rubs off into the company and the company often benefits from that. But sometimes we get specific Uh, situations like for instance i think i can i can mention finner and my co- colleague Eya hakakari who was really instrumental in this that during the time when finner had to had to go through some changes we looked at a specific concept a specific proven research that said if leaders show a little bit of warmth before they show competence This impacts on employee attitude. This impacts on increasing employee performance and hopefully on profitability. So what we then did with my next move is we introduced this concept by Amy Cuddy on connect, then lead, work with the top management and the management layers under them to understand if this warmth is so important. What should be my individual next move? How do I show warmth? How do I interpret what she means? How do I bring this to my self-development or to my company's profit? And so this is the next move. The next move is is interesting because it keeps you updated. You What we often look at a behavior you're not happy with or a behavior you want to stop. And then with my next week, 
move you agree that for the next three weeks I'm going to focus on improving this specific thing or I'm going to focus on stopping this specific thing. Yes. Can you can you give us examples? Time management is kind of obvious and yes. then we have the warmth. What about uh, things we should avoid? So 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 what is what is what is interesting before I get to avoiding. So very many very many uh, uh, leaders that I work with are slightly insecure about their understanding of financial statements and when they have to talk to people in finance terms. They should maybe if you ask the question should I be the answer is yes but many of them have made a lot of money or has participated in company processes that made a lot of money but they're still insecure. So here I would say to them when we talk about that what is the next move? My next move is I want to be comfortable talking finance with the auditors or with the investors or with this. And then we look at maybe a small program. What can I learn from the balance sheet? How do I read an income statement? And we get a specialist in and each of the participants then decide based on this new knowledge, what will be my next move? How will I speak about net profit? How will I look at where assets are hidden? And this is uh, how I see Situation Smart. It's a very fast, very mobile tool that keeps you and your emotions in the moment all the time. Next move is more, I've reflected on this, and I think in the next three weeks or so, not in the next four years, next move is next four weeks. I would like to be aware of something. I would like to develop something. I would like to stop something. And this is how I see it. Situation smart is fast. Next move is, well, I should improve that. I want to do that. And then I'll do this in the next month or so. We have talked about emotions, um, but this is a business school, yes. Aalto EE. Uh, what does this all have to do with money? Yes, I'm very, I'm very suspicious of teaching people skills so that they can work longer and harder to make more money. I don't think it's sustainable and. Uh, Maybe some of my stakeholders will disagree with me. I think a business school like sports stadium, like any other place where we interact with the environment around us and societies around us. People who attend business schools typically go to companies and organizations where profit is is is, is important. Uh, students that I meet in the high potential programs often go to programs like NGOs where they think service is important. So I think I think this is important regardless of what school you are because if you are able to be enough and you can do should I or situation smart regularly, you will have higher levels of reward, self-reward of I'm I'm performing well. And that typically we see maybe motivational, self-motivational. And the, this, the, the side benefit for business-making organizations is that you have confident, skilled, motivated individuals that typically if they choose to go into areas where, where financial reward is important, they're very well able to do that. So I think that is why this is so popular with business students, especially I see this growing in China, is that the students have seen these two tools as a direct link to their competitiveness, their ability to be in demand. Uh, and many of them choose 
profit-making organizations to operate from. Could you give us a little lesson, a little um, homework, since this is what you do with your students as well? Yes. Um, maybe for next three weeks, as you yes. said before, we should do something, or should we? So what surprised me is that many of the students, and not only men, often more women than one would expect, has told me that when they left the course or the day, they used should I when they drove their car home because they felt there were so many other idiotic drivers. <laughs> so they are, should I be angry? Should I be irritated with yeah. this one? Should I be? Should I be? And very many of them have just used it the, the should I to practice as they drive, but but on a more serious note, if you if you if you want to explore this enoughness, my my advice is that you that, that you identify uh, two emotions that you believe no longer contributes to the quality of your life, like irritation, insecurity, feeling overwhelmed, anger. It doesn't have to be major emotions like you know Italian operetta. Like I've seen in Finland, the, the emotions are not always very visible, but it's still very strong. And then every time you get that emotion, just ask yourself, should I be angry? Should I be? Should I be? And very many, in my experience, very many of your listeners will, within two to three weeks, feel a measurable change in their own state of mind. If I go with the, the, the feedback that we've read on the should I... But also it's interesting because it makes you aware, it makes you notice. Almost all of the research that we see tells us that awareness is a skill that one shouldn't ignore. So, in short, and try to make one of these emotions at home. You'll be surprised, but many people say to me that they're ashamed, but they practice these emotions on their kids in the morning. They feel irritated, or some some of us have uh, kids that are teenagers, and teenagers irritate parents and they simply tried because most people don't have time to to find another activity so maybe one of the emotions should be should i be irritated at my kids and the other one i take that be, one <laughs> and the other one the the idea is just to, to to be comfortable with it and and i think the vast majority of the listeners will see that this cognitive connectivity makes a difference first of all in your mindset and secondly stops the habit of unthinking emotion.